Wealth building is supposed to be as simple as spending less than you earn. Save your 20% and live within or below your means. But you and I both know doing that is not always as simple as it sounds. Life throws us unexpected curveballs and large expenses like houses and cars cannot always be bought outright. As we mature, we begin to think of the legacy we will leave for our children. Generational wealth is prominent in some families and less in others. So what exactly are the best strategies for financial stability to create generational wealth? My name is Ronika Jacobs and you found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. Planting the Financial Foundation for Future Generations. My next guest, Dr. Wendy Labatt, is helping people strive for more in the area of financial strategy. Dr. Labatt is known as the financial healer and is the author of Diagnosing Your Financial Health. She has a Doctor of Business Administration in Entrepreneurship and has over 36 years of experience as an entrepreneur. Dr. Labatt teaches individuals and families how to make their money work for them, acquire the proper protection to prevent financial ruin, build a financial legacy, create generational wealth, and become financially free to live the life you desire. In this episode, we will discuss the myths and facts of building wealth and the various strategies to acquire it to build a legacy for generations. Hi, Dr. Wendy. Welcome. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. How are you? I'm great, and thank you for having me. I really appreciate you to be a guest. Yes, wonderful, wonderful. All right. So what experiences led you to becoming an expert on financial strategy? Well, I started my entrepreneurial journey over 36 years ago with no business experience and limited financial resources. And it was a time when there was no social media, no Internet, and the only thing you can do with a cell phone was make an expensive phone call. So <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but I enjoyed what I was doing so much. It's like, okay, you know, I wasn't making any money at first, but it didn't matter because the satisfaction kind of outweighed the fact that I wasn't making any money. But the fact that I wasn't making any money, I was servicing a corporate clientele, so I had to have the brick and mortar, the employees, the inventory, and all the overhead that, you know, went with it. And because if you projected anything less than that, then you were considered a mom-and-pop operation and weren't considered capable of handling the bigger contracts. So, of course, I wanted the bigger contracts. 
that experience and then having to meet that expense overhead expense, whether I made money or not, caused me to think outside the box and be more creative with how I handled my finances. And like I said, it taught me how to take control of my finances, be disciplined with my finances, find creative ways to get the things that I needed but couldn't afford to pay monetarily with. taught me how to strategize financially, and I didn't skip a beat. Even though I didn't have the funds to do some of the things I wanted to, I was still able to do them. So that kind of taught me some things. And then fast forward to, uh, say, 2014 when the Affordable Care Act was enacted. It, it mandated that employers provide health insurance and that individuals have health insurance. So I expanded my business to include insurance and financial services. So I didn't want to be a hypocrite, and I figured, okay, if I'm going to sell people these products and services, I need to have them for myself and my family. And thank God I did, and I practiced what I preached because in 2017 I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And because I did have the proper protection, I had, you know, excellent health insurance because my chemo bills were like $67,000 every three weeks for a year, and I underwent five surgeries, and I had every scan, CAT scan, MRI, mammogram, you know, all the labs, everything that you can imagine. And those bills, in addition to the $67,000 every three weeks, came to over 300000 So, you know, that could have ruined me financially, but because I had, you know, I said a proper protection on the health side, and then I had supplemental coverage that gave me a significant tax-free income that allowed me to focus on my healing versus worrying about money. So that's where God said, okay, it's time for you to take on this crusade and empower other people to position themselves to prevent financial ruin, take control over their finances, teach people how to, you know, make their money work for them and strategically plan where it goes instead of wondering where it went. So that's, like I said, I got a doctorate in business administration and entrepreneurship, but I got my Ph.D. long years ago from the School of Hard Knocks. So that's what makes me an expert, you know, a combination of those forms of education. (laughs) Well, speaking of School of Hard Knocks, College students are graduating, and they're graduating with just large amounts of debt. What are some things they need to be sure to do after landing that first salary job? Well, they need to, and I've got two college students. Well, you know, I got my doctorate degree, so that was major expense. And then I've got, you know, two sons. One graduated from Morehouse in 2017, and the other one's about to graduate in December. So I know about student loans, student debt, and all that. But what they need to do is, for one, negotiate because defer your payments if you can, but negotiate an affordable payment. Back in the day, it was if you went to medical school, you came out with all the student debt. But now, just a regular college student, you come out with it. And, you know, I'm not saying don't pay your bills. I believe in paying. But make it where it's not putting that added burden and pressure on you, you know, negotiate, and everything's negotiable. So I'd say negotiate terms that you can afford to pay and make those payments. And if you can get in a position or a type of profession where they'll forgive or offset some of the debt, you know, like a lot of times if you become part of a nonprofit, if you work for a nonprofit or you become an educator or something, you know, you can offset some of those student loans. So I would say look into that avenue, but 
just negotiate to where you can pay what you can afford to pay. Thank you so much. We have family gatherings here and there, and or we're with family, you know, for various reasons, and there's a lot of topics and conversations and laughter. But it, it seems like family wealth building is not a common conversation that comes up at the family reunions and gatherings. What can you share with the listeners that can help them get that conversation started? Well, there's a, there are a number of things, and, and one of the bigger family reunions that we all experience is the death of a loved one. That's when everybody shows right. up. You know, they may not come to the Thanksgiving dinner or the Christmas gathering, but when somebody dies, they come. And even though you don't think that's an appropriate time to talk about it, it really is because in a lot of cases, and I've made contributions to people's funerals because, you know, they didn't have the proper protection or they didn't have enough insurance to cover that and they still had additional hospital bills or whatever. So that's the time to get it in your mind. And if you have an opportunity to talk about it, then do so. But if you're at the family gathering, you know, just talk about real estate ownership because, you know, a lot of us, that's one of the pillars of generational wealth is real estate because you can't leave a, a rented apartment to one of your loved ones. But if you have a house, and a lot of our elders had houses that were paid for, but because we didn't understand how generational wealth was created or how it is created, then we tend to, if that person passes away, the newer generation says, okay, let's sell the house, take the money, and run. And that's unfortunate because that's breaking that generational wealth opportunity. That's tearing down one of those pillars. So we need to really just bring it up because my family and I, we have family meetings, especially once you know I was diagnosed with the cancer. You know, I thought I had my stuff together, but, you know, when you have that, even though I didn't think it was a death sentence, but you, when you're dealing with something that could be a death sentence, you start getting real about it. And, you know, my husband and I set up a trust, and we got the kids together, and they're all grown now, but still, it's like, hey, we're going to talk about this. This is what needs to happen. And then we are able to spell out how we want things to carry on once we're gone. So it's not like it's, they don't have options to do certain things. They can't ruin the generational wealth that we're setting up for them, you know, and their kids will benefit. So, you know, kind of set up where no matter what generation it is, it's still going to keep continuing. So we need to look at the four pillars, understanding how money works for one, then, you know, real estate ownership, you know, stop paying somebody else's note and buy your own home, and then entrepreneurship, mm-hmm and having multiple streams of income, and then the insurance and proper protection because that's how generational wealth is created. And I tell my clients, instead of buying, you know, all this, spend all this money on video games and Jordans and all that, I'm not saying don't get it if you have the resources later on, but make the priority to set up that child with what we call a million-dollar baby fund, which is a Index universal life policy that's going to be less expensive than you know at, at that young age, and plus you can contribute enough where college fund they've got car you know money for a car is if they wait and you know don't go to college if they want to buy a house they'll have money for a house so that's what we need to start when they're young start now if you're not young but for your kids you know stop spending all that money on toys and stuff that they look at and play with for a day, and next thing you know it's gone. It's not even worth the money you spent. 
I'm glad that you mentioned the universal life politics because if it wasn't for my godmother, I really appreciate her. Uh, all three of my boys, they do have the universal life policies. We started with each of them. Of course, my oldest, I think he was about seven, and my middle son was about five, and they're 11 and 13 now. And then my youngest, we got his started as soon as he was born, and now he's three. So, and we're paying into that, overfunding it for those purposes. So, I'm excited about that. So, I'm glad you brought that up. And I can tell you, as I've watched the fund grow, as I get the, the statements, the annual statement, and I'm just really mm. glad that we've done that, that we can prepare them for that. Okay. Mm. So, life is so unpredictable, as you stated before, with you receiving your diagnosis with cancer. So what steps do you recommend to optimize financial health and protect yourself from financial ruin? Well, first thing I suggest is that you diagnose your financial health because Mm -hmm. if you don't know where you are, you can't develop a strategy to get to where you want to go. You have to face the reality and truth about where you are financially. I did a focus group before I did a digital course to see. I started out with entrepreneurs, male and female, and asked them what would they need financially to move forward. And I was one to focus on, you know, financial planning and budgeting and that kind of stuff. But they all said, more money. It's like, more money. Well, I mean, hey, we all want more money, but you don't always need more money. You have to be able to actually, you know, manage what you got, take control of what you got, and really find out where you are realistically. You know, look at that truth and reality of your finances because a lot of people think, oh, I know what I've got, I know what I make, I know what I spend, but they don't factor in their spending, which kills a budget every time, and then they forget about what they actually don't have or have. They leave money on the table. There are ways to increase your income without getting a second job and making your money work for you, and you really can't develop the right strategy without knowing where you are currently. And I mean putting the pen to the paper and looking at all the ugly stuff that you may spend. One of my clients, I did the spending challenge with him, and he came back and said, look, Wendy, I'm spending $800 a month eating out. But you know what you can do with $800? You say, dang. He said, because, you know, it's something if you don't put the pen to the paper. Yeah, you know, you don't really know that. You don't realize it if you're just going flying by the seat of your pants. But when you put the pen to the paper, you'll be surprised at what you really have to work with, and you'll be surprised at what you can do if you redirect those funds in in the proper way. So you mentioned a key thing, which is to diagnose your financial health and to know how to manage what you have. And so if, if there is a person out there who is listening, and they're like the client you had in his is realizing, oh, my gosh, I'm spending $800 a month just on eating out alone. So what are some key things a person can do immediately, or if not immediately, at least within the next six months, that will have the most positive impact on their finances in trying to turn things around in a more positive direction? Okay, some of the key things that I suggest is no matter what you do on a daily basis, you know, and how you pay your bills, how you grocery shop, how you fill up your gas tank, take advantage of rewards points and loyalty programs and cash back offers that, you know, your vendors have because I have so many people I've run into, you know, that were prior to being my client 
they weren't taking advantage of those loyalty programs, but they were traveling, flying all over the place, and they weren't taking advantage of the points you get for flying. They weren't taking advantage of the hotel stays. They weren't taking advantage of buying groceries. I'm a Kroger shopper. I don't know if they got Kroger in your area, but you can put your point, you know, put your phone number in, you get points. I get my prescriptions filled there, buy my groceries there. And they also have a gas station and I, you can get up to a dollar off a gallon. Now my vehicle uses uh, diesel. And right now diesel is like 255 a gallon, which is the most expensive one out there. But I went and filled up the other day and I got a dollar off. So I paid a dollar 55 a gallon. So instead of me having to pay like 75, 80 dollars to fill up, it only cost me 45 dollars. So it's things like that. You know, my spending is paying me back. You know, when I use my credit cards to pay my bills every month, I'm building rewards points. I'm an American Express person, and I use that to pay. You know, I've got it for business. i got it for personal. So I use that to pay for my, you know, personal and business expenses. And, you know, I can pay at the count at the register with my American Express points. You know, I go to Office Depot. I can do that or else I can get gift cards like Home Depot. We had to get some stuff done around the house. I had enough points where I was able to buy all the material from Home Depot with my points. And it's things like wow. that that you can get a, an immediate, you know, return on your investment. It's stuff you're doing every day. If you, you know, I bought a banner for my business because, you know, I wanted to have my stuff, you know, doing this virtual stuff. I wanted that as my backdrop. And I ended up being able to get it for half price because I had rewards points at Office Depot that paid for half of that. It would have cost me 300 I only paid like $145. So it's things like that that, you know, I could have paid the 300 but why pay the 300 when I've got, you know, that extra money and rewards that I need to use anyway? So it's things like that that will help you see an immediate return on and cut your budget by that amount. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it appears uh, as we are coming out of the pandemic um, and people are returning to work, but then at the same time, as a result, people are losing their jobs. So it appears we are in a recession. Uh, the current number of unemployment claims filed in the past few months have far exceeded 38 million, and family incomes have been cut by 47%. Is there any way for someone to increase his or her income during a time such as this? There is, and sometimes losing your job is a blessing when it doesn't look like it. And there are a lot of people, especially I have tax clients that are making big money, but they have their little side hustle. And I told them, look, turn that side hustle into a legitimate business because you need those tax write-offs. And I suggest people that... I'm sure they have a passion, and they've probably been wanting to quit that job for a while, but they didn't because they needed the money. But you can capitalize on your passion. You have, you know, you've got intellectual property that you can capitalize on, and that's where this time gives you that opportunity to do so. Uh, you know, I'm not saying don't work or don't get unemployment. If you can get unemployment, great. But in the meantime, use this time to build up that side hustle or that dream that you had that say you're a cook or you like to cook, but you never you said, well, I'd love to open a restaurant or not necessarily open a restaurant this time, but 
prepare meals and you know or bake goods and sell them you know there's times like now that you can get creative and and make that work for you and make it a financial resource so you know people need to do that and not just sit around waiting on things to happen you know you have to make things happen and i'm sure that folks have something that they've always wanted to do but couldn't do it because they didn't have the time because they were working every day now they're not working every day, so get that passion and turn it into dollars. Mm, yeah, I, I can understand that. That That is something that I know all too well about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, Dr. Wendy, that's our time. I can sit here and talk to you and get all the knowledge from you that I can to make sure that I am act, being sure that I am growing wealth uh, for generations for my children and their children. I thank you so very much. Now, I have one last question. I like to ask all my guests one last question. It has nothing to do with the topic that we're speaking on. And so my question is this. Who are two people you would invite as special dinner guests, dead or alive? Well, there are two that, you know, my two favorite people, my mother and Michelle Obama. You know, my mother's passed away, mm-hmm. but there's so many things that I talk to her about every day, even though she's not here. You know, I still have my conversations with her, but I'd love to have her and Michelle Obama because, you know, I read her book, Becoming, and not that I didn't admire her before, but after reading that book, I really admire her because, you know, there's so many things and challenges that she's faced being out in the limelight. I'm a private person, and I I, I don't know if I can handle being out there like the scrutiny that she and, and Barack got as the president and first lady, but I just have so much admiration for her, and I've been seeing her on her tour not, since she wrote the book, and just, you know, how she's imparting her wisdom and knowledge in, you know, the younger generation and how she took her platform as first lady to help people, especially kids eat fresh vegetables and become healthier, especially in this pandemic time. You know, you need to build up that immune system. You need to be eating healthier. And I just, you know, admired that about her because she could have done other things and she could have sat back and not done anything, but she chose to Mm. try to empower people to be better than to be the best that they could be and starting with the health. And I like that. So... You know, those would be the two people. <laughs> well, that probably would be a very awesome and very hearty dinner. Well, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. Can you do me a favor? Please take the time to let everyone know how they can purchase a copy of your book or seek your services. Okay, well, my book won't be released until September. So, you know, I'm putting it out there now, trying to build up all that, you know, vibe. But uh, they'll probably be able to get it on Amazon. But I am going to, you know, have a book launching and all that. And I'm going to be having signed autographed copies that I can send out. You know, if the pandemic is still going on where we can have a real live book signing, we'll have a virtual one, and I'll get copies out to people that are autographed. But they can reach me at Dr. Wendy Labot at thefinancialcures.com or my website, thefinancialcures.com. And I am offering 20-minute strategy sessions at no charge to your listeners if they want to discuss their situation because a lot of people don't want to talk about finances out in public or in a large setting, but they, you know, do want to get some advice. 
but I'm offering a free 20-minute financial strategy session if they want to text the word TALK, T-A-L-K, to 770-796-4944. That's TALK to 770-796-4944. And I want to thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Yes. Any last words of encouragement for the listeners as they strive for more? Well, I just want to say don't get panicky about the economic situation because things always work out. Whatever struggles you're going through, it's just a part of your journey. Make you a stronger, better person. And God's got your back, so don't worry about money. Just, you know, stay prayed up and have faith and do what you're supposed to do, and God will do the rest. Well, Dr. Wendy, that's our time. I wish you nothing but blessings and abundance, you, your family, your business. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Take care. Same to you. All right. Thank you. To truly attain financial independence and create a foundation for your family takes commitment and discipline. Adopt the proper methods to reach your intended goals, but please remember That financial wealth building is not just about getting the money. It's also about keeping it as well. I encourage you to set up an intro strategy session with Dr. Wendy and begin your wealth journey. Your grandkids, grandkids will thank you later. Please remember to share my podcast to any friend or family member who is an achiever or enjoys hearing stories of motivation. Thank you so much for listening and supporting me, especially those of you who've been supporting me since the very first episode. If you are interested in viewing the show notes from any of the episodes, remember you can visit my website at www.striveformorepodcast.com. That's strive, the number four, morepodcast.com. There you can also find information about our, all of the previous guests that I've had on the show. Please continue to strive for more and live your best life now. See you in the next episode.